Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm going to ask again, how's everybody doing this morning? Y'all should be used to this by now. It's, a, it's, it's pretty redundant, really. Uh, but uh, we believe in, at, here at our church, we believe that a quiet church is a... And we're not a dead church, amen? We, be, we love to respond to the Word of God. Uh, I, I believe this, that when you come in and you're expecting... God to speak to you, I believe that He will. Amen? And you can come in and think, oh, what are you going to do to impress me today? And I think that you'll leave with nothing because I'm not very impressive. Amen? Uh, but God is, okay? So uh, we're, we're excited to be in. Uh, and let me just tell you, we've never been to Dry Gulch, but I've heard amazing things about it. And uh, we're excited for our kids to go and my wife and uh, Darla Riley are taking our kids up there, and then Nancy and Jimmy are taking our youth to Youth for the Nations, amen? And uh, I will say that I've been to Youth for the Nations many times. In fact, that's where I first really heard the call of God on my life, and uh, it is going to be, it's going to impact your kids in a massive way, so parents be praying for them, amen? Well, uh, we're in a series called Running with the Giants, and I'm really excited about today. Uh, because we get to uh, tackle one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And, uh, and if you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews 12, verse 1. This is our, our theme verse for today. Hebrews 12, verse 1. You got it? Say amen. If you don't, say hold up. All right, we're good. It says, therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, you better run. With endurance, the race that is set before us. Amen? Let us run the race. You're in a race. I don't know if you know this or not. But you're in a race. And uh, I love the Bible because it talks about that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. This is literally what the Bible is talking about here is it's saying that while uh, the, the people that have gone before us are in heaven cheering us on. Uh, we're, we're running this race. How many of you have ever been to a track meet? I've been to many track meets before, and, and uh, I, I had my, my kids were in a track meet not too long ago, and I was sitting in the stands cheering my kids on, right? Wanting them to do good, wanting them, rooting them on. And, and, uh, and, and, I, and I think that there are people in heaven that are rooting us on, that are cheering us on, that are sitting here saying, you can make it, you can do it, you got this, amen? Uh, my wife mentioned earlier, I was a, a firefighter paramedic for many, many years. And, and uh, I was taking a, uh, I took a test uh, to become a fireman. And let me just tell you, uh, if, for those of you that don't know, when you want to become a fireman, it's not just go down and put in an application. Uh, they want to make sure that you're not crazy and you got to do polygraphs and you got to do all of this stuff. But one of the first things that they put you through is a phys physical agility test. And this is basically where they try to make your heart explode. In, in a short amount of time. And, and uh, so you put, on, you put on all of the gear. That in this particular test, we had to put on all of our, our bunker gear and our, uh, our air pack, which is an SCBA. And, uh, and, and here we are. We're getting ready to take the test. And, and you had seven minutes to complete the course. 
And so you start out, and, and I'm, right now you're already additionally carrying about 100 pounds extra on you. And then you've got to go through and you've got to do a lot of extreme physical activity. And here I am, and I'm going through this course, and everything's going well, and I'm making my way through. And I remember, I never will forget that one of the last things you had to do was you had to grab a hose pack, a high-rise pack is what they call it, and you had to climb up three flights of stairs. And uh, when you got to the top of the stairs, you threw the, you threw the uh, high-rise pack down, and you went in and you did a search of a room, and then you came back out. Well, here I am, and I get to the very top of the, that third flight of stairs, and I have 100 pounds, and then I have a high-rise pack, which weighs about 50, and then I'm carrying my big butt. Amen. And, and so here I am. I get, finally get up to the top of the stairs, and I never will. I, I, here I am, and I'm like, I, am, I just want to quit. Like, this is ridiculous. I, have you ever had a moment where you think, this is stupid. I don't know what I'm doing here, why I'm putting myself through this. Uh, you know, I, I look at people that run marathons, and I think they're crazy because why in the world would you want to do that? Hey, CrossFitter, don't even talk to me about crazy, okay? <laughs> I'm going to pick up this grand piano and throw it through the window. Why? Put the piano down, man. Anyway, so... So uh, here I get to the top, and I, and I have this moment where everything begins to get a little bit fuzzy, and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I think I might pass out. I, I'm really on the verge, and I'm wanting to throw it down, but instead of throwing it down and going on with the course, I'm wanting to quit. And I had a friend that worked for the department that had come to support me, and as I get to the top of the stairs and all these thoughts are going through my mind, I see my friend at the top of the stairs cheering me on. And I was wanting to quit, and I was wanting to throw in the towel, and I was wanting to give up. And here he is, and he's saying, Brian, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't you stop. You're so close to finishing this race. You're so close to getting through this. Just keep pushing. Keep going. Keep moving. And in that moment, I had something, a surge of energy that came in, and I, and I realized that I couldn't quit because I'd come too far. I couldn't quit because I was so close to finishing what I'd started. And I think that there's so many times, I wonder what would happen if, if we, could, we had these people and we could hear the cheers that are coming uh, from heaven. I wonder what would happen if we could hear what they were saying. I, I think that there would be this thing in us that when we got ready to quit, when we got ready to throw in the towel, when we got ready to just say, I'm done, we would, if we could hear the cheers to say, that don't quit, don't you give up, you keep pushing, you keep pressing, you're so close, just keep moving, you're nearly to your breakthrough. What would happen if we could hear the cheers of heaven. And today, I, I just want to take a, a, a quick look at a man that I love in the Bible. And it's a man named Abraham. And Abraham, for those of you that don't know, Abraham is the father of faith. Because Abraham had, he, he stepped out and did, here, here he is, he's living with, in, his, in his father's land, and he grew up and everything that he knew, and God all of a sudden shows up to Abraham and says, I want you to move out. I want you to go to a land which I will give you. 
And Abraham steps out and he says, I'm leaving everything. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's beyond the, the next horizon. But I'm leaving everything to see what God has in store. So I know it would be about faith. Amen. Lord, I just thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than every, any two-edged sword. And Lord, I pray right now that every heart is open and receptive to hear your word. Or they didn't come to hear a word from man, they've come to hear a word from you. So Lord, I pray that you would use me to speak to the, your people. Lord, that everyone would leave more in love with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much, Brad. Give it up for our worship team. I, I tell people all the time, uh, our worship team is so good. They really are. I'm glad that I am out of the game because I don't think I could hang in that game. It's because uh, they're doing stuff that I've only thought about doing. So uh, we're, we're so thankful for them. But what would Abraham say to us? If, if we could go into the, or if Abraham was to come out of the stands for a moment, and here we are running around our track, and Abraham came along beside, beside us and began to run with us, what kind of things would we hear him say? What kind of things would we hear him, how would he encourage us not to quit, not to give up, not, not to throw in the towel, but to keep pushing on? I think one of the first things that Abraham would say, and we can look at it in Genesis 17, in verse 15 through 17. Genesis 17, 15 through 17, it says this. It says, Then God said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her, and I'll also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? The first thing I think that Abraham would tell us if he could just run with us for a moment is this. Age is never a factor with God. Here Abram is, and he's sitting in this place, and I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine starting to think about having kids at 100 years old. I can't, let me just say this, I'm 35, about to be 36, and I can't imagine having kids now, because it would freak me out a little bit, honestly, because my kids feed themselves, and come on, you know, you know when you're in glory land, you know, you get, you, you, you're not changing diapers anymore, and you you're, you're young and dumb, and you don't know any better, but, but now that you're older, now you're like, oh, man, I've got the good life. Everything's good. They, they brush their own teeth. They get themselves dressed. And, and here Abraham is, though. He's in a place, and God begins to show up and says, now that I've promised you this this long ago, but guess what? I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do it in your life, and you're going to have a son. And here he is, 100 years old, ready to have a boy, ready to have a baby. Because age is not a factor with God. I had one young woman who uh, was talking, and uh, she was having this conversation with Crystal and I, and she said, well, she began to list off all of her goals. And she had a pretty healthy amount of goals that she wanted to do, and, and one of the goals was, I, I want to ha- get married, I want to have kids, and then she named off the career and everything that she wanted. And she said to Crystal, she said, if I haven't accomplished everything that I want by the time I'm 25, 
I'm giving up. (laughs) And I was shocked and amazed in a moment because 25 is young, and while most of us would not have that, and we would never say that out loud, I think most of us have this time clock on the inside of us that said, if I haven't accomplished what God wants me to accomplish by this age, I might as well throw in the towel. I might as well give it up. I might as well say I'm done. But I want you to understand that age is never a factor with God. It doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how young you are, Presley. you got to understand that God can use you to do something amazing. God can use you to do something incredible. God can use you to change a generation. Age is never a factor with God. I love this. At 11 months old, Brooke Shields was hired for her first television commercial. At four, Shirley Temple began her film career and three years later received an Academy Award. At eight, Mozart composed his first symphony. Come on, what are you doing? At 11, Michael Jackson sang ABC, come on somebody, with a Jackson 5. At 12, Pocahontas saved the life of John Smith. At 13, Anne Frank began writing in what would later become a world-famous diary. At 15, come on somebody, believers, Justin Bieber began, uh, the, became the first artist, listen to this, this is impressive, became the first artist to have seven songs from his debut album in the top 100 at 15 years old. At 18, Muhammad Ali won the light heavyweight gold medal at the 1960 Olympics. At 18, Tommy Hilfiger opened his first clothing store. At 42, Joyce Meyer launched her worldwide ministry. At uh, 45, Henry Ford introduced the automobile called the Model T. At 72, Michelangelo designed St. Peter's uh, Basilica in Rome. At 83, Winston Churchill finished History of English-Speaking Peoples. At 99, Abraham, Abraham and Sarah gave birth to a baby boy. Come on, somebody. What are you using an excuse as age? The age is never an excuse with God. I don't care. I, I've covered everything from 11 months to 99 years old because I want you to understand that age is never a factor with God. It doesn't matter how young you are and it doesn't matter how old you are. God is wanting to use you in the moment that you're in. At the age that you are right now is the time that God wants to use you. That's good preaching. And I think most of us get into this place where if I haven't accomplished what God wants me to accomplish, and I think that we'll say, well, I'm 50, what can I do? Well, I'm 35, what can I do? My youth has been spent. You know, one of my favorite, one of the heroes of mine is a man named Smith Wigglesworth. And he didn't even start his ministry until the age of 50. And he was one of the great healing evangelists that, that went, went, went out. And, and he had spent most of his life uh, backslidden, away from God, not living for God at all. 
But at the age of 50, God showed up in his life, and all of a sudden, he didn't say, well, I'm too old. You don't understand. I've wasted too many years. He decided that at this moment, I will hit the ground, and I will do that all that God has called me to do. I'm here to tell you that this is your moment. There's some of you in this place, and you're thinking, I'm too old, or I'm too young to do everything that God has called me to do. And I'm going to harp on this for a minute, because I feel like I'm supposed to get somebody out of their seat. And, and I want you to hear this. God is wanting to use you now. You're sitting back and saying, I've missed my opportunity, and God's saying, your opportunity is here and now. Second thing I think he would say to us is, God's promise is always bigger than you think. Genesis 15 Verse 2 through 5 says, But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now here's where I want you to see it. Then he, being God, brought Abram outside and said, Look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Here Abram is, and he's so focused on just having one that he can't see the big picture of what God is really wanting to do. I think that a lot of times we get so focused on the singular and God is focused on multiplying. We get so focused on just having one. God, I just want this one thing. God, I just want you to do one thing for me. And God is saying, no, I don't want to just do the one thing for you. I want to do a lot of things for you. And, and here he is, and, and Abram's talking to God, and he's saying, God, I just want one. Just give me one. I just need one. And God brings him outside. Sometimes, come on, you need to get out of the place that, that's holding you captive. You need to get out of the place that's blocking what God wants to do. You need to get out of the place that's hindering you uh, and, and holding back all that God wants you to see. And you need to look up to heaven and say, God, if you'll do it for Abram, I believe that you'll do it for me. Look at the stars in the heavens and say, God, if all of you, you want to do all of this for one man, what will you do for me? And I love that because God is saying, I want to do more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. God is talking in multiplication. When Abram's just thinking about one. There's a story about a frog. It's a kid's story that I think really applies to this. Because this frog was born at the bottom of an old farm well. And uh, he, loved the, he loved the well. You know, there was everything that he needed. There was water. There was, there was plenty of things to play on, there was rocks, there was, and he'd splash around, he'd have fun, he'd play, and he, he thought, man, life can't get any better than this, there's no way that there's anything more, and one day he began to look up, and he saw a light above him, and he wondered, what is that light, I wonder what's above me, 
So one day he decided to get a little bit adventurous and say, okay, I'm going to go up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to see what's, what is the light, what's up there. And he began to climb up to the top, and finally he got to the top, and he peered over the edge, and the first thing that he saw was a pond. And he was completely amazed because it was a hundred times bigger than the well that he had just came out of. And, and he, he, was, he was shocked. And, and man, I, I wonder if there could be more. And so he climbed out and he began to hop a little bit farther. And, and he, got, he got down the road a little ways. And all of a sudden he came over the top of a hill and here was this massive lake. And he thought... Oh my gosh, how in the, man, I, I don't understand. I didn't know that there was this much out here. I had no clue. And, and he, he began to play in the lake and have a good time and everything was going good. But then all of a sudden he had this thought. He said, I, I, I thought the well was all there was. And then I thought the pond could be, couldn't get any better than the pond. And now I'm upon this lake. And I wonder if there's more than this. And so he ventured a little farther out. And all of a sudden, he came to a seashore and he looked at the vast ocean. And in a moment, he realized how small his thinking was. That he thought that all there was was this small little well. And I think most of us are a lot like that frog because we don't understand all that God wants us to do. We stay satisfied in the place that we're born. We stay satisfied in the, our, our, uh, our own mentality and we think this is as good as it gets. There's nothing better. There's nothing more. Who could ever want more? And I'm telling you right now that God is saying to you, there's more on the, uh, on the other side of this hill. There's more on the horizon if you'll just believe God, if you'll just step out in faith, if you'll just move forward. Come on, somebody. you got to understand. Stop thinking this is it. This is all there is and start believing God for more. I was talking to a relative about my vision and the things that I wanted to see God do and the things that I even wanted for my own life. Come on, has anybody ever had you got a little bit of a selfish thing that you kind of, man, I'd like to have a motorcycle. Amen. Come on, somebody. I feel like it'd take my cool factor up. I mean, it's right here, so I feel like it could. And uh, I was talking to him about some things that I wanted, and, and he looked around. He was at my house, and he looked at my house, and he said, I don't understand how you could ever want any more than what you have right now. Why, why are you not satisfied with what you have right now? And in that moment, I said, you don't understand. I'm satisfied and I'm thankful for what I have. But I know that if God brought me here, come on, he has more in store for me. I know if God got me to this place, I know that if God got me this job, he doesn't want me to start at the entry. He wants me to start at the entry level, but that's not all there is. He wants me to push on. He wants me to press forward. Yeah, I'm here for a reason, but it's not to just be satisfied and stall out. It's it's to say, God, I believe that you put something on the inside of me, that you put a gift on the inside of me, that you've given me more, that you want me to keep going, that you want me to keep pressing. Come on, I I, I could get satisfied and say, well, we have enough people at church. Let's just leave it alone. 
alone. Let's just stay here. We can just, we can just keep renting this venue and stay here. But I'm here to tell you that if God brought me here, and if God brought me this amount of people, how many more need Jesus? How many more? Come on, somebody. Stop being satisfied with the well when he's wanting to take you to the ocean. Satisfied in the place, but always reaching for more. God, I thank you for what you've done here. And I thank you for what you're doing. But I'm always going to keep reaching for more. This is better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> hey, I have those moments. Chris will go, well, is your message ready? I'm like, yeah. How's it going to be? I'm like, mm, fingers crossed. <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks. The third thing I think he'd tell you is Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. Hebrews 11. 8 through 12, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, who builders, and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful. Come on, God is faithful. Come on, some of you need to hear that God is faithful. Judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars, come on, what did God promise? As the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable, and the sand which is by the seashore. The last thing I think that Abraham would tell you before he stepped back into the crowd to cheer you on from heaven is this, God is never late. I don't know about you, but I'm, a person who is extremely punctual. I know some of you, come on, you came in three songs in, it's okay. We're glad you're here. We're not judging. I'm not looking. I'm not judging. Candace does. She talks to me about it after her service. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, but it's true. <laughs> she has a list with your names on it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, we got better get there earlier. Uh, but uh, I'm extremely punctual, and, and my wife, it drives her crazy because I love to be er- I, I was raised by my grandpa, uh, who he, his thought was this if you're early, you're late. Or I'm sorry, if you're on time, you're late. And if you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. That's the way he always thought. That's the way he always was. Now then, I've always taken that, and I've always thought this is the way it is. Well, with God, God is always on time, but he's rarely early. 
Because the thing is, is that my timing and God's timing are completely different. They're completely different. There was a, a man who was talking to God, and he said, God, what's a million dollars like to you? And he said, it's like a penny. He goes, wow. He said, well, God, what's a million years like to you? And he said, it's like a second. The man said, God, could I have a penny? And he said, yeah, give me a second. <laughs> God's timing and our timing are not the same thing. The truth is, is that I, I've been in a place in my life to where I think, God, I don't know when you're going to show up, but I really need it to happen now. I need, it to, I need you to be here yesterday. I needed it to happen a long time ago. But here I am in this place. And, and I was praying about this message. And this is where I feel like God really wants to talk to some of you. Because maybe you're like Abram. And you're sitting here and you're thinking, I have a promise in my heart and nothing in my hand. God has spoke to me and I feel like God has something for me, but I've waited for some of you for years and years and years and you're thinking, God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do it? Some of you have been praying for loved ones to, to come to Jesus for years and decades and you're saying, God, when are you going to show up and when are you going to move? And you're looking at your watch thinking, God, you're late. God, you're running behind. Some of you have had the thought of, God, are you even there? Or have you left me? Crystal and I stepped out in faith to plant this church. We knew nobody. Most of y'all know the story. We honestly didn't know we knew it was a sacrifice for us personally, but we didn't know how much it would actually cost to launch the church. Sound equipment and lighting, trailers, and it's expensive, y'all. And I, I had no clue how much it would cost, and so I, I got a bid, and I sent out to one of my friends, and I said, how much is this going to run me? And he sent back the estimate. And I had a oh Lord moment. Because the estimate was $100,000. That's a lot of money. And as I always say, if that's not a lot of money to you, you can drop a check on the way out. Make it payable to the church RC. You spell million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N. And uh, $100,000, and I, I was, honestly, I, I, I had one of these moments where I was laying in bed thinking, God, I don't know how. So we just started believing God, and we, we started raising money. And just putting stuff out, asking people to give sacrificially, and so that we could buy the equipment that we needed. And we got three weeks from our deadline of when we had to send the money in. And we'd only raised half. Three weeks. $50,000 had to come in in three weeks 
And I, I, I'm telling you, you want to talk about a hit-your-knees-praying moment of, God, you have to show up. Here I've been raising money for the last eight months, God, and really it's down to three weeks? Why in the world am I here and, and sitting here thinking I only have half of what I need? What am I going to have? Half a church? And me and Crystal grabbed hands and we said, God, we believe that you're going to do it. And over the next three weeks, not only did $50,000 come in, but over and above what we needed came in. And I wanted to tell you that story because I wanted you to hear this. Some of you are in what seems like the last three weeks. God, I'm only three weeks away. God, I'm only five days away. God, I'm only one day away. And I need you to show up. And I need you to move. And I need you to really do this for me. And I think that there's some of you in this place, and you thought that if he hasn't shown up by now, he's not going to show up. But I want to tell you, as somebody who's been there, as somebody who's walked through it, as somebody who's gone through it and said, God, I don't know how you're going to show up, but I know this. It feels like you're late. It feels like you're not going to do it. It feels like it's not going to happen. I want to tell you as a person that's had their back against the wall waiting on God, I want to tell you this. Don't you quit and don't you give up. And I'm telling you this, that God can show up in a moment and do everything that you need. God can show up in a moment and heal your body. God can show up in a moment and 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 and. and completely change the situation. God can show up in a moment and send somebody to tell that loved one about Jesus. God can show up in a moment and turn it all around. Because God can do in a moment what you've been praying for 10, ten years for. He can do in a moment what you thought was impossible. I love this. Numbers twenty three nineteen. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he, has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good?